0: Last weekend here on Media Watch, we heard how the nation's news media publishers pitched up in Parliament to make a pitch to MPs to pass the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill, legislation left behind by the Labor government that would effectively compel big tech companies who carry their news online to pay them for it. First up at the committee, and one of the most compelling was the managing editor of the Ashburton Guardian, Daryl Holden.
1: Digital internet companies such as Google Meta, which runs Facebook and Instagram and Microsoft, are creaming it at the expense of every New Zealand media company, who in many ways are slowly but surely leading to death. That's because those internet giants are using and sharing news produced by New Zealand media organisations on their mega digital platforms at zero cost to themselves.
0: Now, in years gone by, the news publishers were pretty happy with the likes of Facebook and Google got their stuff in front of the eyeballs of an unlimited online audience. But in recent years, the tech titans have cornered the market in the ad revenues, which used to be rivers of gold for the news media. On MediaWatch last week, the News Publishers Association's Andrew Holden, no relation of Daryl from Ashburton, told MediaWatch, it works like this. The vast majority of people will go onto Google or Bing and they'll say Cyclone Gabrielle search and it might, or they might even write in Stuff because they want to go to the Stuff website but they're going to it via Google and that gives Google the opportunity to make money out of that. Clip the ticket long before you get anywhere near the Stuff website. But with that in mind, you do wonder why Stuff recently relaunched its free news website without an internal search function, and likewise its three new local sites for subscribers of the Press, the Post and the Waikato Times. That virtually forces the users off Stuff's own sites and onto Google to find anything from the archive. Anyhow, rapid technological advances are not making the media's prospects any better, as Stuff's owner Sinead Boucher pointed out in Parliament last week, AI-powered search that Google is working on now might mean that users seeking news might never end up on Stuff site at all, a development that prompted some in the US recently to warn that it could precipitate an extinction-level event for the news media as we know them. Now, last week, the media minister, Melissa Lee, told reporters that AI advances were one reason that she doesn't support the bill in its current form, but she's declined to talk to MediaWatch about the bill or her government's plans for the media. However... On News Talk ZB last Tuesday, Mike Hosking asked the Prime Minister about it.
1: No, we didn't support the bill in its current form. And the reason is that I just think media companies can do their own individual deals um, with those tech platforms, in fact, as your your umbrella organisation has and others have as well.
0: Well, the well-briefed Prime Minister was right that some media companies here have indeed done deals. Google, for example, has done several individual deals to carry local publishers' news in its own service, Google News Showcase. And that includes Daryl Holden's Ashburton Guardian. But here's what Daryl told the committee about that deal last week
1: but those last only up to five years. And as far as The Guardian is concerned, we accepted the deal from a position of no strength. The money we are paid by Google annually is a pittance. I'm almost embarrassed to say how much we get because it would not be enough to hire one graduate journalist.
0: Now the Prime Minister was also right about Mike Hosking's employer NZMe doing a deal with Facebook's owner Meta, which has been much more reluctant to negotiate with local media. But NZMe's chief executive Michael Boggs told MPs at the select committee last week that deal won't last long. But what's happened since? Meta has not renewed after a year. Because I think they think this isn't going to happen. I'm interested that neither Google nor Facebook have turned up today. And this week, coincidentally, NZME's annual profit plunged 46% to just $12.2 million as growing income from digital subscribers failed to offset further falls in that advertising revenue. Now, as is obvious, there are big vested interests clashing here between the under-pressure publishers and the highly profitable tech companies. But what is in the public interest? Well, speaking for the lobby group Better Public Media, media expert Dr Peter Thompson told the committee this. You know, the news sector supports the bill because they're in such difficult,
1: you know, commercial circumstances. It's understandable. If you're drowning, you know,
0: a a straw might look like an attractive thing to clutch at. We'd rather send a lifeboat. So what would that mean? I asked Dr Thompson about that and what he thought might and should happen next.
1: I think there really is a crisis in the news media sector at the moment. In the newspaper sector alone, if you go back to 2001, they had about a 40% share of the overall advertiser spend and that's come down to now less than 10%. So that's a 75% loss of, a, of an advertising market that in which they used to be a dominant player. So I don't think they're, over, they're overstating the, the crisis. Um, my question is whether or not the uh, Fair Digital News bargaining bill is actually the best mechanism for providing some kind of relief for them.
0: Well, it's modelled on or inspired by what's happened in Australia. We had on Media Watch, for example, Rod Sims, um, former boss at the Australian Regulator, the ACCC. He said, yes, New Zealand should copy what we did. It's returning hundreds of millions to the Australian media. Go for it. Uh, So why shouldn't we? I, I think there's a number of problems with the Australian Act not least the fact that, that there's no
1: guarantee that the revenue paid by the platforms to the news media will actually be in reinvested in news production rather than shareholder dividends, or indeed that it goes into public interest types of news production. The other thing is that, that the the larger players clearly benefit disproportionately. If the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill really is intended... to to provide support across the entire sector, then I think the Australian model is a very poor one to copy.
0: Mm, Okay, so you said that pretty clearly in your submission and you told the committee that no clear mechanism to ensure that revenue would be invested in public interest journalism beyond what's currently provided. But, well, Television New Zealand is an example right now. They are saying they need to spend more than $100 million renovating their entire IT system to keep up with all the demand for... TVNZ+. plus, Shouldn't that be their call? Well, I, I've got no objection to TVNZ,
1: you know, investing in its news infrastructure, if that's what sustains it. I mean, the question is, on what principle are you going to get the platforms to support it? And in my view, the bill has misdiagnosed the nature of the market imbalance between the news sector and the online platforms. I mean, specifically, you know, the idea that that somehow the platforms have co-opted or stolen the news and that's what they need to compensate the news media for, I think is a misreading of the actual market process and the value chains on which they operate. I mean, primarily, the platforms have benefited from, you know, A, you know, c- controlling our data and mass harvesting individual data so that that enables targeted advertising, uh, and that's what's enabled them to capture such a large share of the overall advertising market. In my view platforms ought to be compensating society as a whole you know, for the mass harvesting of our data and, indeed, for the harms that are inflicted by the operation of their business
0: models. But, but wouldn't that be the scope of another part of legislation? If this is all about the fair bargaining for news and the platforms can easily point to the fact that their news is being circulated by platforms that contribute nothing to the cost of its generation, that seems fundamentally unfair uh a bill to address that doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't address all the other harms these platforms might be doing. Well I, I think I think there's two issues here. I, I see them as closely
1: related though it's rather hard to calculate the precise market value of hosting news and permitting sharing of news on third-party platforms. I mean, in some cases, the news media are actively promoting their their news content on the platforms. Mm -hmm. There are different relationships between different news media and different platforms at different levels of the value chain. That's a more fundamental point about the the way in which we we discover content in the digital environment. I think you could design a, 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 the bill in a much better way, such that not only did you support the news media, but that you provided some kind of compensation you know, to society as a whole you know, for, for the harms inflicted by enabling the proliferation of disinformation, and hate speech and harvesting our personal data. Um, but you've got to base the bill, therefore, on public service principles, not just market competition principles. If you do it on market competition principles and it goes to arbitration, I think in some cases we're going to find it very difficult for the news media to demonstrate clearly and objectively you know, that they're actually conferring greater value on the platforms than the platforms are actually conferring on them. But you have to be really, really clear about what you're asking the platforms to compensate the news media for. And that's why I would argue that there's a better argument that they ought to be com- compensating society as a whole, and that includes supporting the fourth estate.
0: But doesn't that then mean that journalism the news media become further down the rung of you know, people that need a bit of justice from the dominance of these media platforms? If the crisis of the news media is that acute, you know, 50 million into commercial news media, that really would help. Well, of course it would help. We had the Public Interest Journalism Fund, which, of course,
1: put $55 million into the system over over three or four years. Um, yeah, but... so that's
0: gone, and this could replace it. A real practical, real-world benefit for the news media companies under pressure... Yeah.
1: Well, I think there's, there's a far superior option on the table and, ironically, it was actually considered by Cabinet before being disregarded. And, th- and that would be a process of, of, of implementing some kind of a levy on digital advertising, which is roughly worth $1.8 billion a year. Um, you'd be generating as much money as the Public Interest Journalism Fund put in. I mean, if you, you put a 2.5% levy on or a 3% levy, you'd be getting up to $50 million a year. You know, And I think that would be a far more elegant and, and in, indeed more transparent and, and, and fundamentally simpler model to implement, the one that relies on a, a very opaque process of, of you know bilateral negotiations between news media and the platforms and then goes to a very, very convoluted arbitration process
0: if they can't agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, as you referred, the, the cabinet paper for the bill... Uh, addressed two options. The first, a levy on digital platforms to be dispersed to news producers um, through a contest a bit like the Public Interest Journalism Fund, uh, but not funded the same way. The second thing was adoption of an international model imposing taxes on multinational media enterprises with revenue ring fenced and allocated to domestic news media. So both those things considered, but not progressed because they decided to go with the fair digital news, bargaining bill, those sorts of things would be vigorously resisted by not just the likes of Google and Facebook, but, you know, the entire telecoms industry.
1: Well, it depends how wide you implement a, a levy. But if we only look at the digital advertising... You know, sector. I mean, it would be relatively straightforward to say, right, from now on, there's a certain proportion of, uh, of digital advertising turnover that we're going to require you to pay into a central pot. And many of those that might initially complain about it would soon find that they're actually benefiting in far greater terms from, from having that money re through the system. The key thing is, though, by implementing a levy model uh, administered by an independent arm's-length entity like New Zealand On Air, then you can guarantee that that money gets reinvested in public interest news. And so a, so a broad brush approach to this where all kinds of digital revenues are required to, to contribute towards supporting a healthy fourth estate is actually fairer and more equitable and much more difficult to argue in court that it treats any single company you know, unfairly. In fact, we, we happen to know that that's probably one of the reasons why... The, the levy model initially wasn't considered because if you imposed it only on on Google and Meta slash Facebook, they'd
0: argue that that was discrimination. And in your submission, or Better Public Media's uh, submission on the bill, uh, you noted that in a book published in 2017, Don't Dream It's Over, uh, you'd said uh, at that point 150 million dollars would have been sufficient if it, if the bill if the levy had been introduced then. By now to cover the cost of both the public service media entity proposed uh, a NZPM, as you mentioned, and provide a 50 million subsidy for the news media sector, which is around about the the three years worth of the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Just saying, uh, you know. (laughs) But you weren't the only ones just saying it. Uh, It was uh, something similar, was in Green Party media policy around the same time, I think. Uh, New Zealand first, 2017 election in their manifesto, uh, boosting the telco development levy, uh, to $2 a month to subsidise non-commercial New Zealand content. Uh, it wants to make commercial broadcasters and international medias uh, providers like Netflix pay that levy too. So New Zealand First, now part of the government, were on board with the idea of, uh, you know, levying the industry. Um, the the thing I'd say is that if you if you... Um, impose a, a, a levy
1: on, on services such as uh, streaming services or telecommunications, it's very, very easy to pass that on to the consumer. I mean, if your internet bill is $100 and, and it becomes $101, I doubt very much whether we'd see riots in the street. And the
0: arguments well, against... You would, you would see people angry. You know, look at the response of some people to the Public Interest Journalism Fund. They'd be saying, why the hell am I being, against my will, levied uh, to... Fund a news media I may not respect and think is biased and all the rest of it. It would not be uncontroversial
1: Among, amongst some some you know constituencies of the public. Anything is controversial. I mean, you can't capitulate to disinformation though. It's I think it's absolutely appalling that that the options for the levy were disregarded partly because of concerns that, that this might uh, might upset certain constituencies that thought that any kind of government-funded media must be intrinsically biased. And that's rather silly because it conflates the idea that, that just because something is, is organised through a statute, that somehow this means that the, you know, the Minister of, of Media and Communication is going to be calling up the media and dictating the editorial line. And that's clearly not what it means. And I think it behoves the government to actually explain these things clearly... It's distinctly unhelpful when you actually have politicians trying to score political points by, you know, labelling these sorts of schemes bribery.
0: Yeah, that, the, the Cabinet paper did specifically refer to that, that the Public Interest Journalism Fund uh, had um, had led to people questioning whether it had undermined the media's independence and uh, reliability. That's, that's certainly correct. So in the end, though, does this all come down to where all the different parties in this, the politicians, the media, and the industry and the platforms believe the public interest lies. I mean, so Better Public Media believes it lies in the provision and enhancement of public interest journalism. The media companies think it's their own survival because they do it. So if they can be financially sustainable, uh, leave it to them and they will create it because that's their business. Uh, But do you think the politicians and the government who will make the decision on this, whether the bill goes forward or not, do, do you think they have a similar notion that News media fourth estate is something that that needs to be assisted out of a, a financial jam, and that and that they believe its some um, survival is is a in question and b should be guaranteed. Well, I I don't know what the
1: current government's thinking is. I mean, the minister for for media and communication in opposition said that she opposed the uh, the fair digital news bargaining bill. Um, She may now be reconsidering, given that there's strong support from the media sector itself. Um, I I think it would be very difficult, though, for the government simply to wash its hands and say we're not going to do anything. I I think there's a number of serious flaws with the current bill, and I I think it would, would problematically foreclose far better policy opportunities. You know, such as implementing a broad-based levy, which would actually be far more elegant, more transparent, and, and be just as functional as as any kind of
0: non-transparent bargaining between the platforms and the news media. Yeah, this was a, a Labour uh, initiative, of course, but introduced too late for them to progress it themselves. They lost the election. It would seem weird if a, a national opposition that has unpicked so much of what the former government has done would progress one of their bills. Do you think if it does go through and the government would want to see it as their bill, change the name, rewrite it fairly radically, is that the most likely, uh, other than just extinguishing the bill as it exists?
1: I don't know how likely it is, but it wouldn't surprise me if the government did want to tweak the bill, and I, I think they should. I think they've got a great opportunity to put a good piece of legislation forward. I mean, if if they do have to to proceed, and they don't want to go down the levy route, then at least I think they should make sure that some of the money generated through these deals is allocated to the smaller players. And I think you, there's also a need to make sure that some of the money is allocated to distinct you know subgenres of news, such as local government reporting or you know minority interest reporting. Because otherwise, I, I, I just worry that the larger players are going to soak up, you know, the best deals with the with the platforms, and the little players are really just going to be left to flounder. So, as I said in in, in the select committee, I mean, the, if if you offer a drowning person a straw, they'll clutch at it. But I I think we really need to send a lifeboat. The levy light boat would
0: rescue a lot more people. That was Dr Peter Thompson, who's the chair of the Better Public Media Lobby Group and an associate professor at Victoria University of Wellington's School of Media and Communication.